There's times as a pastor you have to give disclaimers. I had a festival yesterday. I didn't get in until late. I'm a little bit tired. And then my wife has messed me up today. So my wife pulls up in another man's truck this morning. And then apparently when I came out to do announcements, my mic was doing something in the back, and she came backstage and made very inappropriate comments. So if I'm distracted this morning and the message doesn't make sense, that's Christine's fault. The second reason is Nancy's fault, because all I can think about is how do I make fun of Nancy during the sermon, and that's got me distracted today. You know what I mean? So it's just been one of those mornings. So if the sermon doesn't make sense, just show me some grace today and we'll get through it, okay? Sound good? Awesome. Hey, I want you to picture it with me. It's first century B.C. It's a generation before Jesus was to be born. And one of the most severe droughts in the land was taking place. The drought was so severe that it threatened to wipe out an entire generation. The people had not heard audibly from God in years. But there was a wise old man who still believed God could hear his people. His name was Honei, and he was famous for his ability to pray down rain. So on this day, he goes into town, and he earns the name the Circle Maker. He walked into the center of town. I'm giving you the abbreviated version. I went a little bit deeper into the story last week. He pulled out his staff, And in the sand, he drew a circle around him. And once the circle was drawn, he vowed not to leave the circle until God made it rain. They said instantly he began to pray and it began to sprinkle. And he stayed in the circle. It then began to rain violently, they said. And he stayed in the circle. He continued to call out to God until a nice, steady rain began to fall. A rain that would literally save a generation. A rain that would help the crops to grow. A rain that would allow the livestock to hydrate themselves. A rain that would allow the people to get the nourishment they needed from water. And it was on that day that the legend of the circle maker was born. We started a new series last week called Dangerous Prayers, and it's inspired by the story of the circle maker. And the goal during this series is very, very simple. We're going to learn to start drawing circles around our prayers As Christ followers, as those who have decided to follow Jesus, literally the greatest weapon we have at our disposal is the gift that God gives us of being able to go directly to our Father in prayer. I mean, think about that for a second. We get to go to the God of the universe and pray to him. But very few of us use it with the boldness and the confidence that we should. The Bible says, call unto me, and I will answer. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God says, call out to me. And when you call out to me, I'm going to show you things that rock your world. I'm going to exceed your expectations You're praying at about right here, and I'm going to answer at a route right here. Did that make sense, right about here? Hey, that's Cajun. Like, if I was in Louisiana right now, that would have made sense. They'd be like, I know what he's talking about. That shows you what's wrong with the Cajuns. They could have understood that. (laughs) Call unto me, and I'll answer thee. I mean, this really is how simple God makes it. He says, if you'll call, I'll answer. And the story of the circle maker to me is the testament to the power of a single prayer. One man had this audacious faith 
to stand in a circle and believe that God answers prayers. Last week, we laid the groundwork for what must happen before you get in the circle. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about what we need to do once we step into the circle. Because you've got to prepare for the circle. If you missed that sermon, you can go to actionchurch.tv. You can go to your iTunes store and download it, the Action Church podcast, whatever. If you have an Android, I don't know what the app store is for that, but it's there too. And we talked about the preparation for the circle. But there comes a time that you get in the circle. And how you pray in the circle is just as important as what you pray for in the circle. First principle inside the circle is very, very simple. We're going to go big or we're going to go home. If it's worth drawing a circle around, it better be big. It better be huge. I said this last week and let me say it again. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. Hey, I want y'all to do me a favor today because I'm struggling. I'm tired. And here's the deal. But I feel like you're tired and I feel like I'm out. So I'm going to count to three and we're just going to say amen, okay? One, two, three. Amen. Now, here, that sounds like a bunch of white folks saying amen. So we're going to get a little bit of soul in it, a little bit of shout in it, and we're going to try it one more time, okay? One, two, three. Amen. That's a little bit better. I feel like I can preach now. Listen, 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 listen. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. If your prayers, don't, don't miss this. If your prayers are not impossible to you, they're insulting to God. If it's something that's possible for us, why do we need to bother God with it? We pray these weak, timid prayers. And they don't even require divine intervention. And God's like, that's the best you got? That's what you're coming to me about? He said, I'm waiting for you to come to me with something audacious. I'm waiting for you to come to something huge. I'm waiting for you to come to me boldly in prayer for something impossible. Because God says, with me, all things are possible. There's nothing God loves more than keeping his promises, answering prayers, fulfilling dreams. That's who he is. That's what he does. He's our father. There's nothing that brings me more joy as a father than to see my kids living out their passion and living out their dreams and doing what they enjoy in life. The bigger the circle we draw, the more glory God gets when he answers that prayer. I, I believe this with everything that is in me. I believe there's a lot of you that are here today that you're one prayer away. You're one circle away from God fulfilling a dream inside of you. I can promise you we serve a God who's willing and ready. He wants to answer us. He wants to show us greater things than we could ever imagine. But he's looking at and he said, I want to know how bad do you want it? Are you willing to pull out your staff, draw that circle in the sand, and draw your circle and say, I'm not moving until God answers it. If you don't hear anything else I say today, you check out during the message, I want you to hear this. God is for you. God is not against us. God doesn't want to see horrible things happen to us. God doesn't delight in our misery. God is not a God who's standing up in heaven judging you for all your screw-ups and all your mess-ups. God is for you. And if you don't believe that principle, it affects the way you pray. Because when you don't believe God is for you, we go to God and we go with these small, 
timid prayers. But when you believe that the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the one who was here before there was anything, when you believe he's for you, you have this desire to go to him and you believe anything is possible so you don't hold back when you pray. The direction of your life will be determined by the direction of your prayer life. If we're ever going to see a move of God, because I just long for a move of God. I want to see a move of God. I want to see God move like he's never moved before. Then you need to pray like you've never prayed before. If you're going to step in the circle, you need to learn to pray the impossible. Because again, with God, everything is possible. <laughs> the day we die is not detched etched on our tombstone. The day we die or the day we start dying is the day we stop dreaming big. The day that you get put in the grave, that might have been about the time that you finally physically pass away. But the day you stop dreaming is the day you start dying. That's not just true with, with people. That's true with things. I see it with churches. When your memories exceed your dreams you're close to death when all you can do is talk about the good old days instead of the days to come you're starting the process of slowly dying we live in a day and time where there's so many people that are literally the walking dead they're breathing and they're walking and they're moving but they've stopped believing god for greatness God wants us stepping out in the prayer circle and dreaming big things. And not only dreaming big things, he wants us expecting big things. I literally believe we honor God with our big dreams. It lets God know that we're interested in being part of something huge. Yet so few of us dream big anymore. So few of us pray expecting God to do a big thing. But here's the deal. There's not a person here that at one time or another didn't have some type of big dream. It might have been a career dream. It might have been a relationship dream. It might have been a whatever type dream. It might have been a financial dream. It might have been a huge dream for your children. There was a day and time that everyone here had some kind of vision and some kind of goal and some kind of dream for their life. But over time, we lose sight of that dream. We allow the day-to-day to take over. I, I always tell people the worst thing you can do is let reality set in. Well, that's reality. And, and reality is reality. But we have the power to change our reality. God places this dream in us. And every one of you are thinking about a time in your life you had a dream. And we allow the dream to die. And there's various reasons we're, we're afraid we might fail at our dream. Who cares? You know how many things I have failed at in my life? Someone told me yesterday they were walking when they said, Man, I just wish I had the ability to, to do the crazy ideas you have and see them be successful. I said, Ain't none of them ever been successful. I'm just stupid enough to try them. I figure one day, it's like spaghetti noodles and you throw them against the wall, one of them's gonna stick one day. Man, I don't know. I have a lot of fun failing. <laughs> Talking to my wife last night, I said, I'm frustrated by this. I said, because every fest, I'm like, I'm never doing another one. <laughs> she said, yeah, but you have so much fun doing them. I was like, that's true. So we'll do another one in two weeks. <laughs> we're afraid it may fail. We're, we're afraid of what it may take to make the dream happen. God, I got this big dream, but oh, God, I don't want to do any work to make it happen. <laughs> We're afraid of what others think of our dream. So we stop dreaming. And when we stop dreaming, we stop asking God to do huge things. And instead of asking God to do huge things in our life, our prayer life becomes something that's just very routine. It becomes something that's going through the motions. It becomes small and weak and timid and lifeless as our purpose in life passes us by. I want you to think about something. Before that first raindrop fell, 
Tony had to feel just a little foolish. There just had to be a part of him that just felt a little bit foolish. I mean, you're standing inside a circle, demanding rain is a risky move. Vowing that you're not leaving the circle until it rains, and it's not rained in years, is even a little bit riskier. But he didn't draw a half circle. He didn't draw a three-quarter circle. He didn't even draw a 90% circle. He drew a circle that there was no way to get out of. He was all in because he knew God could do huge things. He drew a complete circle and there was no escape for what he envisioned for his life. He backed himself into a corner and the only way out of the corner was for God to show up and do what he was calling out to God to do. You need to realize when you draw that circle that many, many times that circle to other people may act or look like an act of foolishness. You drew that circle and you're praying for your marriage and all your friends are like, why? They're never going to change. They're never going to get it together. You've drawn a circle and you're praying for your children and everyone around you is like, how many times are you going to let them break your heart? It's been 10 times. It's been 12 times. It's been 15 times. You've been dealing with this for 20 years now. You look foolish. Man, my heart breaks that you still believe that your child's going to change. Yes, because God forbid you don't give up on your children. You've been trying for that. that you, you got this dream to start your own business, and you've done five of them, and five of them have failed. And everybody's like, give it up. Maybe you're just a nine-to-five person. There's nothing wrong with that, and there is nothing wrong with that. But you know God's got something bigger in you, and you don't care what everyone thinks. I talked to someone the other day, and they said their goal in the next 10 years was to have a million dollars in the bank. Can I tell you what my first instinct was? My first instinct was, well, I know where you work, and I know what you make, and I've known you for five years, and I've known where you've worked for five years at the 20 different jobs you've had in five years, and I wanted to come out and be like, is that really possible? And I went to say the words, and I'm telling you the Holy Spirit of God convicted me and said, who are you to tell him what's not possible? He had a vision. He had a goal. He had a pretty dang good plan. We'll see if it happens. When you step in that circle, it may look crazy to other people. But that's what faith is. And that's the type of faith God wants us putting into action when it comes to our prayer lives. There's a great story. Where's Grady? Grady, are you here? Grady, I know you got your little girl. Can you pass her off and come up here for a minute? Because here's the deal, Grady. I'm tired, and there's a lot of big words in these verses, and I'm going to mess them up. And Man, you got that seminary degree, and I'm not going to say them, and you make fun of me the whole time. So you're going to come read the Bible scripture today. Come here. Don't y'all love Grady? Hey, in Joshua 10... Let's get up here and, and kind of poke at your belly a little bit and try not to look so muscular. Stand over there away from me because you look too buff. Listen, in Joshua 10, I do have better hair than you. In Joshua 10, there's a great story that illustrates go big or go home. I, I love Joshua. Do you, you, you a Joshua fan? Like Joshua was one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He was a leader. He was a bad dude. You know, we live in a day and time where leaders, especially church leaders, aren't really bad dudes. You know what I mean? Like, they're more like Mr. Rogers. And Joshua was like Jack Bauer. Like, he was bad to the bone, you know what I mean? And we read about Joshua last week as they entered into the battle to take over Jericho. And now they're in another battle. And the odds are stacked against them. And it looks like things can get hairy. And Joshua throws up a huge prayer. Joshua 10, you can flip around and read it because it's big words. And I don't want to look dumb in front of you. So read that. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. 
After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, so Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekai and Machedah. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekai, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still. Read that part again. Sun stands still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. Man, hey, would you learn to sell them big words? Man, that was awesome. Like, he didn't even miss a beat. Like, I ain't even going to lie to you, and this isn't me trying to be funny. I didn't have any of them words in my head of them cities like he did. Like, I realized what I was reading that. I was, reading, I was like, hey, yeah, I'm not even going to tell you what my words were. Leave that one up, Xander. It's good to have a preacher in the house. You know what I mean? That can read big words. Check it out. Joshua's going into battle. He's battling. He's winning. But it's starting to get dark. So Joshua knows he's in a battle. He knows that he needs more daylight to win the battle. He knows that if the sun goes down, they're able to regroup. They're able to reposition themselves. They're able to get some rest. And they may come back and win the battle against Joshua the next day. So Joshua, to me, throws up one of the craziest prayers I've ever heard in my life. God, I need you... To make the sun stand still. God, I know the sun's only up for a certain time and it goes down. And God, I know that the sun affects everybody in the whole world. But I need you to keep it right there just for a couple minutes. Maybe a couple hours. God, I I know that the the earth rotates. Is that that how the sun goes up and down? Okay. The earth rotates and the sun goes up and the moon comes up. And and when the moon comes up, it's dark. But God, just, just for a few little bit, I just need the sun to stand still. I need it to not go down. I need it to not get dark. God, I need to win this battle so I need you to freak, like, like, I don't feel like you're grasping the insanity of this prayer. God, I just need the sun to stand still. Joshua understood the principle of go big or go home. I mean, That's a big-time prayer. You think praying for your child who's struggling with addiction is a big prayer. Don't get us a big prayer. But Joshua said, I need the sun to stand still. You're praying for a promotion, and I get that's a big deal in your life, and I'm not trying to minimize it. But Joshua said, God... It's me, Joshua. They're going to make a show 2,000 years from now called 24 about a guy named Jack Bauer, and it's going to be about me. I need you to make the sun stand still. God, just don't let the sun go down. Just kind of freeze it. I mean, let's be honest. You're the leader. You're sending your guys into war. And you pray out loud. This is a make or break prayer. It's a make or break prayer. If God answers, Joshua keeps the respect of his men. He's known as a great man. He's known as a man of faith. He's known as a man that 2,000 years later, people are still going to be talking about. But if God doesn't answer... Joshua was known as the wacko who decided 
to ask God to freeze the sun in the sky. I've always been very careful, and I always thought I was a strong person, but I've always been very careful. I've been in full-time ministry now for about 21 years and probably two times in all of my time of being in ministry. Have I ever stood up on the stage where I pastored and said, I know that I know that I know that I know this is God's will? Because here's the deal, if it didn't work and I said it was God's will, then I always thought I'd lose the credit of the people. So I've always more worded things like this. It seems like God is opening up these doors, and I feel like through guidance and counseling, and, and we're make, when we moved over here, I never stood up on the stage and said, I know that I know that I know that I know it's God's will. I said, we've been praying for it. The, the doors have opened. The landlord's given us a good price. I think we can pull it off. I'm excited about it. But here's the deal. I really didn't know if we could pull it off. And I didn't know if it was a good deal. And I didn't know if we'd be able to do the construction. And I wasn't going to get them to say it was God's will. And it fell. And you'd be like, wait a minute, I thought you said it was God's will. When you pray for the sun to stand still, that's a God's will prayer. You're going to look like the hero or you're going to look like a zero. There ain't no coming back. That is a circle being drawn. When you're in the prayer circle, there will come a time that you either have got to decide, I'm going to keep praying boldly or I'm going to pray safely. I'm going to pray for God to move huge, or I'm going to pray a prayer that I know is going to happen no matter what. And man, we're so guilty of safe prayers when God said, I want you to pray bold prayers. And make no mistake about it today, you cannot do both. Sun stand still. We need more hours in the day to defeat our enemies. Sun stand still. Because if nightfall comes, they can regroup. God, sun Stand still so we can do what you've called us to do. When you go before the creator of the universe, we need to go with some sun, stand still prayers. If your prayer life is not exceeding what you think you can do on your own, then your prayer life is a weak prayer life. I want to see a movement of God. I want to see people on their face asking God for insane moves. An insane revival, an insane outpouring. I want to see God, us calling out to God because our dreams are so big. I've always said I want this to be a dream center, a dream factory where people are going out and they're living out their passion and they're living out their calling and they're living out their vision. But that can't happen if we're not calling out to God with sun, stand, still, prayers. He's a big God. And we ought to go to him with big prayers. Man, we're so lackluster in our faith. We're so lackluster in our walk. We're so lackluster in our prayer life. And we wonder why God's not moving. We wonder why we lack passion. We wonder why we feel like our life is like Groundhog Day. We're getting up every day, reliving the same thing over and over and over. We know there has to be more. We know we were created for greatness, yet we had this average life, this average marriage, this average career. We don't know what to do with our finances, and we live the one life we have going through the motions because we don't believe that a big God can answer big prayers, and we don't go to him in a big way asking God, God to move, sun stand still. So, the sun stood still. And the moon stopped. <laughs> to the nation avenge itself on its enemies. Wow. Verse 14 says, There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. <laughs> I, I, I love this story. I, I was afraid this was going to happen today because you're a little dead today. You're hearing this story and you're acting like it's just not a big deal. A human being... Ask God to cause the sun to stand still. And God did it. And the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the God we serve. 
The God who caused the sun to stand still because a man asked for it is the God who can move miracles in your life. It might seem impossible, and God says, I'm just getting started. It might seem crazy, and God said, it's not crazy to me. It might seem insane to everyone else, and God's like, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do something on your part. I want to teach you some principles from this story, and we're going to go home. There's some principles in a sun stand still prayer. The first thing is a sun stand still prayer has to have audacity. I just like that word, so I threw it in there. <laughs> audacity. It's not a word we use all the time. But man, I, I just want to be audacious. I want my prayers to be audacious. Listen, listen. Our prayers should be big enough to blame God for. Let me sink that in for you. Our prayers ought to be big enough to blame God for. Most of the prayers that we pray are so small that when they get answered, God doesn't even get the credit. Because like, who needed God for that? We pray wimpy prayers, safe prayers. Sanitized prayers, recited prayers. And God says, Bring me some audacious prayers. We pray so much. Let me tell you my biggest pet peeve. Happens at every church in the country. The weekend before school starts back, the pastor will get on the stage and he prays. And you know what he always prays? Lord, watch over our kids and just keep them safe. Why? Like, did, did God ever say our life would be a safe life? I never have prayed for my kids to be kept safe. I pray for them to be wild for the cause of Christ. I pray for them to be leaders who change their friends. I pray for them to be trendsetters who follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. I pray that they're barbaric and they do whatever it takes to live a life of passion and a life of purpose. The biggest thing I want for my kids is for them to live life to the fullest, to grasp every moment of it, to take every risk and to take every chance. I don't want them living life safe. The goal in life is not to arrive at the end safely. I want them to arrive at the end of life and being like, God, remember that time I did this? And that time I did that? And the time I took that chance? And the time I took that? Good Lord. I was standing there last night watching a band play, and I just happened to be next to a very um, person very high up in government in Woodstock, and right on the other side of me was the CEO of Reformation. On the other side of me was a CEO of probably one of the largest nonprofits in the community. And we're talking, and one of them said, Your life should be a reality show. I said, Why? And they said, Like, I follow you on Facebook. Like, how are you sane? I said, What do you mean? He said, he said like, like, one day you'll just throw out something and be like, wouldn't it be cool if? And then like seven days later, you're like, guess what I'm doing? I'm doing if. And, and, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't ever want to live life with regret. I want to grasp every moment of it. I want to enjoy every second of it. And that means I'm going to screw it up along the way. And I'm going to do some stupid stuff along the way and mess some things up along the way. And almost blow it along the way. But man... I want, I want me and that woman, when we've been married, I'll probably make it 50 years. Well, yeah, I'm young enough for that. At 50 years to look back and be like, you, that was crazy. You remember when? You remember when we went running with the bulls? Remember that time we went to that nude beach? Good God, you are not going. You sicko pervert. That is not a sun stand still prayer. And if it is for you, I pray the opposite. We're going to see who God listens to better. What's wrong with the people in this church? God, I want to enjoy life. Audacious prayers. Audacious prayers. We need to go to God. Joshua prayed a big, bold prayer. When was the last time God did something so amazing in your life 
that it was so obvious that it was 100% him. He showed out in such a way that no one could get credit but him. When was the last time you asked God for the sun to stand still in your life? We need the sun to stand still. We need to pray such big prayers that there's no way it could be anybody but God who gets the credit. Let me illustrate this a little bit better. Let's say hypothetically, I liked red velvet cake. And let's say hypothetically this last Wednesday somebody brought me a beautifully tasty Rain down from heaven red velvet cake from Alpine Bakery. And let's say that that red velvet cake sat on the counter. Christine came and said, that looks so good. I can't wait to have a piece of it tonight. I'm like, it's going to be awesome. And let's say, hypothetically speaking, that Christine came home that evening and the entire cake was gone. (laughs) And let's say, hypothetically speaking, Christine said, what happened to the cake? And I said, I'm pretty sure Luke ate it. And she looked at me and said, Luke, our seven-year-old? And I said, yes, that little bastard. That's not a cuss word, by the way. And she said, so you're telling me that our seven-year-old ate this huge red velvet cake, every bit of it, from Alpine Bakery? And I'm like, absolutely. She's going to know that's not true, that the only person who could get credit for that would be me. That's the kind of prayers we need to pray. So red velvet cake prayers. That only God can get credit for it. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. I, I want to pray prayers so big that when they're answered, people knew it had to be God. It couldn't have been anyone else because there's no way that person could have pulled it off. This is what Joshua did. There's no way Joshua gets credit for the sun standing still. No one's looking at Joshua and saying, oh my gosh, he's such a great leader. He caused the sun to stand still. No, they're looking and saying, oh my goodness, what an awesome God we serve. What an incredible God we serve. This was a make or break prayer for Joshua. I want to pray prayers so big that they know it can't be Gary. The Bible says in 1 John, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I'm talking about taking your prayer life to a whole nother level. Well, you're praying so big, it seems, I'm praying some things. I'm praying some things so big that I I, I ain't really even shared them with my wife yet. Because I ain't ready to freak her out. I got some ideas, if you will. But I'm praying for huge things. I ain't even wrote them on the prayer wall because I don't want her to sneak up in there and see them. I wrote them on the prayer wall of my head. (laughs) The prayer wall of my heart, excuse me, for my Baptist brethren. Hebrews says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Man, we need to approach the throne of God with confidence. Dare I say a a little bit of arrogance? Because he's our father. We need to go to him and say, God, I know you want to do something great. If my dad did anything in my life right, and he did a lot right, but if he did anything right, he instilled in my head, son, you can do anything. You want to do that? Go do it. You want to go do that? Go do it. Want to do that? Go do it. Just do it. It's like a Nike commercial. Just do it. Oh, it sounds like do it. Man, we ought to be able to go to our Father and be like, this is what I feel like is going to happen. I want to see you move. They ought to be audacious. Hey, we need to go to God with accuracy. Like, like we need to have accurate prayers. And here's what I mean by this. What I love about Joshua's prayer is he didn't throw up some haphazard prayer. He assessed the situation. And decided that what was needed to have victory was that the sun stand still. He didn't say, God, hey, give us a victory today. God, just help us win. He said, no, God, here's what I need. I need the sun to stand still. Yesterday, I'm walking around, and some different things were lining up, and I'm knowing in my head what I've got to make 
where we're not homeless next week. And all day long, because we started taking credit cards, we've never taken credit cards before. Amazing thing about taking credit cards is I can get on this little app and be like, bing, oh, we made that. Bing, we made that. Bing, we made that. And I had a very specific number. All day long, God, I need this number. God, I need this number. God, I need this number. It was probably 80. It was probably, I don't know, it was probably five times more than we had ever brought in in credit cards. I was like, God, this is the number I need. God, it's the number I need. God, it's the number I need. At the end of that, I hit the little thing. I'm like, what's the number? And it exceeded that number by $32. I wasn't, I wasn't praying, God, hey, I just need do good today. God, I, I need this to happen. God, I was like, I need bam, bam, bam amount of money. God, the mortgage is due. I need bam amount of money. Guy, I mean, on a selfish note, I've been craving a ribeye. I think that's what the $32 was for, was for a ribeye. I'm talking about accurate prayers. He went to God with confidence that his prayers were accurate for the situation. It wasn't a vague prayer. It wasn't a bland prayer. It wasn't a vanilla prayer. Joshua knew what he needed God to do, and he went to God asking him to move in a very specific way. Here's how we pray. Mm. And I'm guilty of it, so I'm not getting on to you. Lord, just be with us. And God's like, I, I, I thought I was always with you. Like, that's your prayer, me be with you? Like, you can't go any better than that? I told you in the book, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm walking alongside of you. That's your best. Lord, just be with us today. He's like, I'm with you every day. Got to learn to pray specific prayers. My life recently has been altered with the dropping in of a toddler in my home. And I love toddlers. Let me tell you what drives me crazy about them. They talk like this. Now, I don't know what, I don't know if it means like I want to change my diaper, or I want to take a nap, or I want to play, or I'm sleepy, or I want you to hold me. Like, and I'm like, so you play this game with them, so you're like, toy? Snack? Lay down. They don't ever want to lay down. That's never what they're saying. <laughs> and then, like the worst is like we're on Netflix. <laughs> what movie is that? <laughs> and like they know the specific movie they're asking for, the little brats nowadays. And so I'm like, this movie? <laughs> this movie? <laughs> and then like, I'm like that level the one they're like, no, nothing comes out of my like, Oh, that must be the movie. We're good. And I can't help but God looks down sometimes and says, like, what are you saying? Like, blah, blah, blah. like, just ask me what you want. I've said this phrase more in the last weeks. Use your words. Don't whine. Don't grunt. Don't give me that puppy dog look. Because I want to give you what you want. I just don't know what you want. Open your freaking mouth and use your words. And I think God looks down and says, use your words. Quit grunting. Quit whining. Quit beating around the bush about it. Luke's the king of beating around the bush. What's his move, Christine? Sure do wish I had. You might have. It if you ask for it. But you saying you sure do. I see that must be nice. Keep on wishing. You ask, you might get it. God says, come to me with accurate prayers. He said, I'm waiting for you to come to me with accurate prayers. <laughs> we go to him and we throw up this vague, weak prayer. And God said, man, just get accurate. Once the sun to stand still, pray for the sun to stand still. You know, last, the last thing, and I, we're getting out of here, I promise. It's got to have action. It's got to have action. And this is where we're going to hunker down for a minute. I believe this is one of the biggest missing components in our prayer life. 
That means that the thing that we're praying for has to be big enough, not only for God to move, but it has to be big enough that we're willing to actually work for it. If you go back and read this story, it's an amazing story. And Joshua prays, sun stands still. But I want to show you every time he goes into action. I'm going to skip all the big words, okay? But first, here's what the Bible says in James 2. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is death. <laughs> Praying big prayers, but not taking action that corresponds with the request is useless. If you need a miracle in your life, big or small, God says, hey, I want to see you in action. I like this quote from Martin Luther King. He says, pray like it all depends on God. And then when you're done, go work like it all depends on you. Check out Joshua. So Joshua marched up. That's an action. Sun stand still. We're good. No. The sun could have stood still and they'd have lost. They marched up with the entire army. So guess what? Not only did Joshua move, the entire army moved including all the best fighting men. So Joshua moved, the army moved, the best fighting men moved. What's the next verse, Xander? The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Verse 9. After an all-night march. I, I would imagine that was exhausting. Joshua took another action. Then by surprise, the Lord said unto the, through confusion before Israel, so Joshua and the Israelites defeated. How they defeated them? They were fighting. Action. Israel pursued. They cut them down. Son, stand still. Move on to the next one. Joshua said. He took action. Action nonstop here. He didn't say, son, stand still. <laughs> Man, let's go get a cheeseburger. He said, son, stand still. Now the sun stood still. Let's get busy doing what God has called us to do. 13, 14, 15. And Joshua returned. He went back. God wants us to come to him with bold prayers, but we've got to take action. God, just help me lose weight. But I want to keep eating cheeseburgers. And ice cream. I prayed that prayer for a long time. <laughs> Fried chicken. Mashed potatoes. Cathead biscuits with some homemade strawberry jam. Some cheesecake with strawberries on the top of it. God, help me lose weight. Hey, don't pray for God to give you a job if you ain't out looking for one. I just wish, I wish God would take this addiction away. But I'm going to keep hanging out with people who use. I'm going to keep shooting up. And I'm going to keep doing this, and I'm going to keep doing that, and I'm going to mask it. This, this, ain't, this ain't a drug, it's a tea. I, I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm not going to go around people who want to speak truth in my life because they all hate me. But God, take the addiction away. I want to keep doing what I've been doing, but just take it away. Shut up. Take some action. God, just bless. God, God bless my relationship, but I'm going to keep running around on her. Don't pray for your children not to make the same mistakes you made if you're not willing to stop making those mistakes. Hey, guys, single guys, someone told me that, I just, just want a good woman. You know what I want to look at him and say? This is literally what he told me. I've been praying for God to send me a good woman. I said, that's an awesome prayer, man. Ain't nothing like a good woman. And I thank God for a good woman. Let me give you some advice. Get a job. <laughs> Hold on, Stop. 
that looks at me and said, can I give you some more advice? Yeah. I said, brush your teeth. <laughs> what? I said, your breast smells horrible. I said, can I give you some more advice? I said, go get a haircut. You said you something? I said, yeah. And I said, hey, wash your clothes. And you know what I said? Hey, quit playing video games 10 hours a day. And you know what I told him? I said, move out of your mama's basement. I feel like you're being hard on me. I said, you want a good woman? Be a good man. There used to be a guy in Seattle named Mark Driscoll. I love Mark Driscoll. Listen, pastor of church like 10,000 people, Grady. He would not marry a couple until the man had done three things. Had a career job, owned his own house, and I never really said a lot of, I think it was the discipline one, and knew how to brew beer. That was the three things. Brew beer. He had to have a career, have a house, and know how to brew beer. Make beer. He said it was the discipline of learning. He was a big beer drinker. He said it was the discipline. He went back to the old, the old friars and how it was a discipline that they taught up. He said they just need the discipline of learning something. He said, I'm not marrying to the ladies in our church. Let them marry some boy. You want a good woman? Be a good man. Praying God sends me a good woman. Why would, he, why would he ruin a good woman by sending them to you? <laughs> Man, we've got to take some action. God wants to see action on our part. He wants to see us work in the natural before he works in the supernatural. We just throw up these prayers and don't do nothing. We ain't no changes. They ought to be audacious prayers. We need to pray accurate prayers. And we need to take some action with our prayers. My wife told me about nine months ago, talk is cheap. And then she had the nerve to tell me, you talk for a living. <laughs> Am I, that's what she told me. She's right, though. She said, am I supposed to be moved because you can write an elegant text? Am I supposed to be moved because you want to sit down and tell me how you want to change and how you want to do this and how you want to do that? You talk for a living. Yeah, certain things, you just remember them. I'm like, dang, that's good. You're right. I'm not going to be able to woo her with my sip of tongue. So I had to put some things into action. I had to start proving some things. Because talk is cheap. Pray the sun stands still prayers. But do the work needed so when the sun stands still, you get the victory. 